Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. Today's Beef Watch podcast is the third in a series of four podcasts focused on silage production and management. These podcasts and the topics, as well as the guests, are from the 2020 Silage for Beef Cattle Conference webinar series that was held in July and August and was hosted by Nebraska Extension, Lolliman Animal Nutrition, and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. Today's conversation is going to focus on building silage piles and comes from the presentation that was made by Becky Arnold titled Tips and Tricks for Silage Pile Construction. I have the privilege of being joined today by Becky. Thanks for joining me today. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Well, Becky, before we dive into the topic of silage pile construction, share with us a little more about yourself and your role there with Lolliman Animal Nutrition. Sure. I've worked with Lollamond Animal Nutrition for about a year and a half, and it's been a great experience so far. It gives me an opportunity to further deliver my message that I have around silage and silage management. Um, actually, I didn't start out in the industry growing up in agriculture. I am a city girl, and I still live in the city, but I went through a career change later on uh, in life and actually chose this industry on purpose. So. Um, I'm pretty passionate about what I do. I started out in agriculture working for a large seed company. So I am really blessed to have some agronomy background and understand a lot more about what happens with feed quality from the field before it even gets harvested. And then uh, actually owned a custom harvesting company for a little while uh, down in West Texas. And I got to have some amazing hands-on experience around everything that has to do with harvesting silage. So I feel really blessed to work for a company where I get to apply all of that practical experience that I have from field and seed all the way through feed out and feed management. So with Lalamond Animal Nutrition, I'm a territory business manager is my title. And I cover Colorado, Kansas, and Arizona. In Colorado and Kansas, I work primarily with dairies. And then in Arizona, I have the opportunity to support both dairies and feedlots. Either way, uh, silage is my thing. So whether we're feeding for beef or feeding for milk, silage is what I focus on. Well, that really ties into what we're going to talk about today, which is silage pile construction. And, you know, this is, I think, a really timely topic for the time of year we're in. Uh, we're coming up on a time when the choppers are going to get rolling and people are going to start to be building those piles. Give us some things that you shared in the presentation that you think are keys that producers need to remember and focus on as they look towards silage harvest this year. Sure. Uh, the first one that I'm going to emphasize, and you're always going to hear this out of me, the first and most important thing is going to be having safety in mind. And I don't just mean safety in regards to the harvest itself and building the pile itself, which of course I do mean that, but I mean safety. I want everybody to think about safety while we're constructing the pile, but also the ramifications of safety later on down the road, either for the feed out team or people like me that are evaluating and looking at silage, safety for us as well. And accomplishing a good safe environment as much as can be possible in an inherently dangerous location or, or, or part of what we do um, begins with doing things right in constructing the silage pile. When you cut corners or don't do things properly, that's where it makes it unsafe, both during the construction as well as, as later on for those of us 
they're dealing with the silage after it gets put out. So safety is the first thing that I really have to emphasize around putting up silage. Well, Becky, give us kind of some guidelines you think are key that producers should remember in building a silage pile to have an environment there that's safe, not only for those who are building the pile, but for those who later will be feeding off of it. Well, during the construction of the pile, we want to make sure that everybody, one, is paying attention and that there's not any complacency and hopefully people are rested and fed during the crazy time that happens during harvest. Having the pile constructed either on walls that could be dangerous in bunkers or uh, building piles that are too high or building sides that are too steep where you're at risk of equipment rolling over. Those are really the key things during harvest that you want to pay attention to. But as far as the impact that it can have later on, it really comes down to density pack. And I emphasize a lot around density pack for a feed out quality perspective, but it really is a safety issue as well. So silage piles, for example, that have really steep sides that are dangerous for the guys that build them in the first place, those ones are the ones that are more prone to silage avalanche because they're just less stable in structure with those, those sharp angles on the sides. And if you don't have good density pack, I want you to consider when you have a silage avalanche, a cubic foot of that material weighs anywhere from 45 pounds to 55, even upwards towards 60 pounds. And when you have a silage avalanche, it's not just one cubic foot that falls off, it's truckloads. And so it's literally tons of material that crushes cabs of equipment and the people that are inside of the equipment blows windshields out. It's just a dangerous thing. And it really starts with not having good density pack is, is where you can have shelving off and what really drives that is going to be other things that impact density pack, which is a lot of what I talked about in my talk. And, and one of those is the rate of delivery for trucks. So if trucks are coming in too fast and we're not keeping up, we're not getting good density pack. And you can kind of see how this snowball effect can happen just from one mistake or one corner that gets cut can manifest itself into a larger issue uh, down the road, both for quality, but as, as for safety, as I just described. Let's talk about identifying a site where we want to build a pile. What are some key things that producers should think through and remember, uh, maybe identify as they think about, where am I going to put my silage pile? Well, the first consideration that people really make with where their silage pile is going to go has to do with how much silage they need to fit into that space. So they have X number of cows that they need to feed and they know what their tonnage of silage is that they need to put up. And so the space has to be able to fit that space, that amount of ton. So um, making sure that you have a space that's big enough to accommodate your capacity that you need, but also your capacity is going to fit in there in a safe manner that we don't have to build a pile that's so high and steep that it's a danger um, and, and lower quality under those circumstances. But your ground preparation, getting the ground ready, whether that means that we're packing dirt or whether we have the opportunity to look at different types of, of base that you can lay down like concrete or asphalt or fly ash or different solutions like that. You need to prepare the ground, be mindful of the location that you're putting it so that you have good drainage and it's not at risk of contamination anywhere around the farm, um, whether everything's going to fit there and just do everything that you can to set yourself up for success for where you're going to put your pile. 
Becky, are there some resources out there that can help folks identify, do I have enough space in terms of thinking about the amount of silage they're planning to harvest and, and where they're wanting to put it? You bet. There's some different calculators that are available. I have found Dr. Brian Holmes and Ken Barnett online when you just Google search silage capacity calculator. Um, those calculators, I think, can be a little bit complicated. You need to know exactly what your pounds of feed out are and, and whatnot. While Lamond has a calculator that I use regularly that if you wanted to shoot me an email, you I would be happy to forward off our calculator. Um, on the fly, when I'm in the field, if I just want to do a quick down and dirty, I'm looking at length times width times width times height. That height is going to be your average height, however, not your peak height. So let's say you're 18 feet tall, about half of that would take into consideration your angles. And so you could use maybe nine or 10 as your foot height in this example. And then you multiply that by your as fed density, which is going to be for really average or our low end density is going to be around 46 pounds as fed. I usually use 50 pounds kind of as a benchmark for what my density is that I want to achieve. So length by width, by average height, by density of say 50. And then you take that total and divide it by 2000 and that gives you your tons as fed. Let's talk a little more about building a silage pile and, and what are some things that really are important to know and understand when you start that pile and as you continue to work and build it as silage is being delivered from the field? So packing, 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 packing. We are hiring pack operators, not push operators. And so there are different variables that you want to consider that's going to help you achieve good density pack that I've already mentioned one of them with how fast trucks are coming in, your rate of delivery, uh, the dry matter content, your particle length, the slope of the sides, which I've already mentioned a little bit, your tractor weight, tire pressure, tire width, how many tractors, how skilled is your operator. But the last one that I really, really have to emphasize is layer thickness. Regardless of any of those variables that I just mentioned, the way that you get good density pack is by spreading each layer out in thin layers. And I mean six inches or less. There's really good data to support that anything over a six inch layer is where quality starts to deteriorate. You just don't get good density pack on it. So what determines how thick of a layer you can put out often is how big of a blade load these tractors take. Just because these huge horsepower tractors have the ability to take an entire blade load or truck load that gets dropped off there and push it up onto the pile doesn't mean that they should. It might take three or four swaths at that, that truck load in order to get it layered off. So rule of thumb, if you have a nice long runway or fill ramp where you can take that blade, that blade load and grab a load and feather it off in a nice six inch layer on that long runway, then great. But if you can only take a half a blade load before you run out of runway space, then that's what you should do. So only take as much on your blade as you can feather off on that fill ramp without having to lift your blade and pack each layer. Those thin layers and then drive over each of those layers to get good density pack. Talk a little more about just the process of, of packing and how that should occur in terms of you think about buy, building a pile, how do you start a pile and then how do you continue to make sure that as you're working that pile that you get, get it packed well as you think about your packing 
process. Okay. So we're talking about it's a it's it's a little bit different, only similar in a bunker. You have the same principles inside of a bunker um, as you do a drive over pile for the most part. But when you first start a pile, typically what guys do is they have however many trucks wide that pile is going to be, go ahead and dump. And then that's how they start their pile. They start smoothing out all of those truckloads that have, have dropped and how wide they're going to be. What I would like to see is for each of those truckloads, maybe you don't have to do it, have trucks unload however wide they're going to be. But regardless, you want to make sure that you take each of those truckloads, beginning with the first truckload, and start spreading it out nice and thin instead of um, having the this lump that you start with that the trucks have just dumped there. You want to take each of those lades, loads and spread them out uh, thin. And then each truckload that's going to come in, you're just going to start building layer by layer, six inch layer by layer on top of that mass of silage that you have there. So when you first start out a silage pile, obviously there's not going to be room for multiple tractors. Um, but it'll, it'll build quickly. So you just want to layer six inch layers on top of each of those. And you obviously want to stay within your capacity footprint. So you want to give yourself about a 12 foot buffer around how wide you think you're going to be 12 foot on each side, because the silage is pretty much fill in that buffer space that you've given yourself. So you just start building layer by layer. The angles are really important that you're trying to accomplish on the side. We call it a three to one um, pitch and slope. So that would be for every three feet over and one foot up. Um, or that's also a, a 18 degrees or 30% roughly. So however you want to look at, at angles. So as you start building this silage pile up, you want to keep those angles in mind. And sometimes you need to get a distant perspective of that. I take a a distant drive away from the silage pile several times throughout the day so that I can make sure that I have my angles on target, but that I also have my silage height on target. Oftentimes, guys will start off at a certain height and then they'll lose some of that height. So if you look at that pile from a distance, it kind of looks like a saddleback. It's lower in the center and that compromises our capacity plan that we had put together get a distant perspective from the pile to make sure that you're maintaining height and that you're maintaining those angles properly on the sides. And pack, pack, pack. Becky, does your plan for feed out influence how you might shape and build your pile? Absolutely. I have never seen a pile too long that I have seen plenty of them that are too wide. And what I mean by that is the size of your face that you're gonna feed out has to fit your feed out rate. So if you are not able to take, say, 8, 12 inches off of the entire face every day, then you have gone too wide. I have some people that it could take them three, four, five days to get across the face uh, because they, they've just made themselves too wide of a face. You have a considerable amount of dry matter loss that takes place by not keeping a fresh shaven face every day, every day eight to 18 inches should be removed from the entire silage base. So planning what that open space is going to be according to what your feed out rate is going to be needs to be one of those early on prepare for where your silage pile goes, key points in that planning. You mentioned dry matter loss, and this is really, I think, a pretty significant issue 
for those who are harvesting and putting up silage. Give some perspective on what's expected in terms of dry matter loss and what are levels that would be maybe seen as being good. And then what are some that we're really needing to think about what we can do to reduce that to get to a place that we're not losing so much. Okay, so first I wanna clarify the difference between dry matter loss and shrink. A lot of guys talk about shrink and they tell me that they've got no shrink. And what they're doing is they're looking at ton in, ton out. They're weighing what they brought in versus what is going out to feed. And it is possible that they could be on zero shrink if they're, with, if they're just looking at ton. But where I don't like talking in those terms, a pound of good feed weighs the same as a pound of bad feed. And that's how we work out our rations is by weights of inclusions. And so if you put a pound of spoiled feed in there, you can't expect your animal performance to be the same as if you put a pound of really good feed in there. So I would like to talk about in terms of dry matter loss, so actual nutrient loss. We have put all of these inputs and TLC into that crop that we grew and prayed for no hail and dealt with it if we got it. And now we're going to harvest it and put it away and lock it tight and preserve it. The reason why we've done all this is to preserve nutrients that we're trying to capture for animal performance when we're trying to put on weight on these animals or produce a product. And they're, all of the organisms are after all of those nutrients, whether we're talking about the cows that we're feeding or the organisms that are helping with a favorable fermentation or the naughty organisms, your yeast and your mold that are there to consume nutrients and are spoiling feed. And so by getting a good density pack and putting it all up right, you are reducing the amount of nutrient loss that goes to spoilage organisms. So to give you an example, a well-managed pile has roughly 15% dry matter loss. So it's been packed adequately, feed out management practices are, option, are optimal, everything's going well, roughly 15%. So where that 15% comes from is six to roughly six to eight percent can come from just fermentation losses. You've got gas that's being produced from plant cell respiration. You've got microbial activity that's going on in there. So just the process of that terminal pH drop that's preserving that feed, you can have six to eight percent loss. You can have one or more percent loss in seepage or uh, uh, effluent loss that comes out of the pile. You can have three to 24% loss in surface loss. If you have poor face management, you don't put plastic on, things like that can make a difference in what your surface loss is. And then you can have one to 15% losses in your feed out practices. So that guy that takes three to five days to get across his entire face uh, during feed out is gonna have significantly more dry matter losses than somebody who keeps a nice, fresh, cleaned off face every day. So um, the best I've ever seen is somebody who keeps things really high and tight and I really um, can't pick on them for anything. I would say that they're probably running around a 12% dry matter loss. People that aren't putting plastic on their pile or maybe poor density pack in combination with that and maybe some other factors could be up around that 35 to even 40% dry matter loss even though the feed that they brought in weighs the same as the feed that they're going to be feeding out, they're feeding 25, 35, 40% less nutrients than what they could have with better practices. Well, I think that's really a excellent point and one that I sure want 
folks to not miss is just how important it is to not only get that crop grown well, but to get it packed well and sealed well. If you're starting to think about 30% dry matter loss, that's extremely expensive from an economic perspective. It really is. And you don't necessarily see that loss. It's not visible loss that I'm talking about when we're talking about 10 and 10 out. But let me put some dollars to this for you to put it into perspective. Just talking about density pack, not feed out management or anything else, just density pack. If we're in a $45 silage market, which is pretty fair for right now, last year and this year, give or take a couple bucks, but just for math, in a $45 silage market, two pounds of density pack. So our goal is 15 pounds per cubic foot on a dry matter basis. Let's say that you achieve 13 pounds per cubic foot. That just costs the operation at $45 silage. If we consider the value of those nutrients, 77 cents a ton. So in the example that I used in my talk that I gave, uh, if you put up 50,000 ton of silage, that 77 cents is roughly $38,500 that was lost by not achieving density packing. You already paid guys there to pack your silage, so they're there to pack it. They just didn't nail it, and they cost you $38,000. On the other side, they did nail it. Let's say that you got 17 pounds of density pack. That's a nutrient value of over $38,000 that you have going to your cows just by people doing things more optimally for the job they were hired to do. You've already mentioned this a little bit, but let's talk a little about sealing the pile and how do we need to think about doing that and what's some important key things to remember as we think about building a pile and then sealing it. So first of all, it doesn't, it doesn't go unnoticed that nobody actually wants to do that job. Nobody enjoys buying the plastic or putting it on. You know, we get wind that can flip you all the way from Nebraska to Texas sometimes um, on that plastic, but it is a critical thing to do because oxygen, oxygen can penetrate as far as six feet into the surface, depending upon how densely packed it is. So if you think about a drive over pile, that whole surface area, that whole top of that pile is your largest area of vulnerability all the way down to six feet of that nutrient that we were just talk about, talking about wanting to capture that's deteriorating. So by putting plastic on it, you are not only protecting that layer for away from spoilage organisms, but um, your digestibility of feed in that area become deteriorates your intakes on spoiled feed, spoiled feed deteriorates. So if you add any of that spoiled feed into your ration, now your animals are not eating more. They're, they're reducing their intake of a less digestible feed product. So um, putting plastic on top of it, you want to, I believe in oxygen barrier plastic. It changes, plastic is porous, so air can still transfer in between uh, plastic surfaces. Oxygen barrier plastic is designed to have much smaller pores, if you will, and allows much less oxygen transference through that. Um, so I do believe in oxygen barrier plastic and that there's returns on that. But the other thing I like about oxygen barrier plastic, especially the two air kind, when you first pull it on, it kind of sucks down into all of the grooves, the tire grooves, the uneven surfaces that you have, which I'll back up there want to have as smooth of a surface as you possibly can. Having big tire ruts leaves you with opportunity for air pockets. 
So you want to have a smooth surface, layer plastic over there. Your oxygen barrier is really going to kind of suck down onto the surface. You've got your five mil black and white. You're going to pull over the top of it. And then you want to weigh it down with tires. Or I, I personally prefer cut sidewalls um, because then you're not dealing with snakes that live in tires and metal that might be sticking out of tires to compromise the integrity of your plastic. You want to weigh that plastic down. So you're literally smooshing that, that plastic down onto the surface and having tire to tire contact so that there's virtually no room for air to travel through that space between the surface and your plastic and really protect your most vulnerable mass of that feed that you just put up to feed out for the next year. Becky, what are some other things that you think producers should really think about and understand as they think about putting up some silage and building that silage pile? I think that I like to give the silage pile itself as if we were to rank importance. Um, I would say that that is 60% of the most important thing about the entire ensiling process, all the way from the seed that we're picking, the fields that we're growing it in, all of the nutrients that we pour into it, all of the harvesting practices and feed out practices. It can be made or broken in the process of putting your silage pile up properly. So we pick certain hybrids that are going to bring us certain yields and certain quality. And then we have an opportunity to capture all of those nutrients that were important to us in those selections or really goof it up by not doing a good job. And I just think that that there are so many variables that that affect whether we do a good job or not that we can't do all of them. But if we understand all of the factors that are involved in putting up quality feed, as well as all of the factors that are involved in staying safe in the process of doing that, I think if we can incorporate as many of those variables and this perfect marriage together, um, that's how we truly achieve greatness. And by greatness, I mean excellent dry matter recovery and excellent animal performance. You just really want to consider as many of those variables as possible and capture and utilize as many of those variables as possible. But it starts with knowing what they are. And so I, I think doing what we're doing right now with this information exchange through webinars and um, having a team around you that can help come and take it and look at things maybe differently or help provide guidance. Uh, I think we just owe it to that silage pile that is just incredibly important to how our animal performance is going to result and the profitability and sustainability of each of these operations. Thanks again for joining me today, Becky. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time and for having me, Erin. I appreciate it very much. For more information on the content that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.ed website. Again, this is a topic that was presented at the 2020 Silage for Beef Cattle Conference webinar series in July and August of this year.